0: of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable unto thee, O Lord our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, we are in the second Sunday of Christmas, not Easter. And as the second Sunday of Christmas, I want to just review a little bit about some of the stories we've heard to date. On Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we hear about the birth of Jesus. In a a small stable, because there was no room in the inn, you got to get the picture that they're thankful that myrrh and incense finally arrived with the three wise men through this story. Then last Sunday, the second Sunday, or first Sunday of Christmas, we went to the Gospel of John where he does a parallel story to the creation story. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, and that became Jesus. And it was a light to lighten the world, to empower the new things coming and get rid of the darkness. And today, we had a different gospel at the 8 o'clock, which you did not hear. It was the coming of the three wise people and leaving on a circuitous route because they didn't want Herod to be able to identify where they had found the infant God-child. But in this one, we find out that Herod was very anxious to get rid of this godchild. And without the return of the wise people, he was flailing all over the place trying to find this one person who could create his downfall. Now on a scale of one to 10, these are great stories. And they are stories of faith. Stories that we have heard over and over again. And I think one of the things we often forget is that we are people of a story, not a people of the word-restricted law. A friend of mine, Tom Woodward, Many, many years ago when we were both college chaplains, he wrote a book called Turning Things Upside Down, a theological workbook. Uh, He originally intended to use a very different title. He had thought originally, what is total chaos? The Christian Testament. Anyway, Tom wrote this book and in reflecting upon the book, there are many stories and things that I've found of particular interest and focus. And it's interesting because it happened so long ago, rereading it, I suddenly realized it's still current. It's still alive. It's still vibrant today. Chapter eight, he has Christian ethics. Now listen to the title quickly a matter of vision, not violation. Catchy phrasing. But he was quick to point out that vision is about the Christians of the story. That we as a community of believers have stories that tell us and inform us in ways that a word focus cannot. Word focus leads us to the idea of violations. All these rules. And you remember the battle constantly between Jesus and the Pharisees and Sadducees as he lived was around them wanting to know what's the right thing to do. And he said, well, let me tell you a story. And I imagine, because they were persistently trying to put him on the spot and find the right answer that they got very frustrated because he'd tell them these great stories and they would have to figure it out for themselves. He didn't provide the specific answer but engaged them into a story and oftentimes those stories led to the decisions they didn't want to get to. And we, as Christians of the story of vision, not violation, have a lot to do to restore our vision. Last Sunday, the second, first Sunday of Christmas, I noticed as we were reading the bidding prayer, something that I had, you know... Occasionally, us clergy, we think we know everything until we hear it for the first time after all these years. And it suddenly stands out to us saying, whoa, where did that come from? Well, as they were reading the bidding prayer last week, I heard these words and I want to share them with you because it sort of grabbed my attention. Let us hear and heed in Holy Scripture the story of God's loving purpose from the time of our creation until the glorious redemption brought to us by God's holy child, Jesus. And let us make this place glad with carols of praise. But first, let us pray for the needs of the whole world, for peace and justice on earth, for the unity and mission of the church which Christ Christ commissioned, and especially for the church in this community. And because they are especially beloved of God, let us remember in God's name the poor and the helpless, the cold, the hungry and oppressed, the sick and those who mourn, the lonely and the unloved, the aged and little children, as well as those who do not know the love of Jesus Christ. Well, that sort of puts it right out there for us. We hear these stories. We see that the light has entered the world, that Jesus, the living God present in our world, Came to remind us of where our mission is. And our mission is to those to be enlightened to serve those who are not le, not always on an equal par, but specifically those who are not in God's grace or seemingly by our literalistic words favored of God. Think for a moment how many rationalizations we go through to justify why those who have less should have less. I hear it all the time. As a matter of fact, even the evangelical church talks about having more. If you believe in God more, you'll reap the benefit. Very much economical statement, which is kind of surprising. Because they're supposed to be getting their people to believe in the Son Jesus Christ who empowered us in forgiveness that there was no necessary gifts that any of us would ever receive. Anyway, let me help by sharing a story from my friend's book because I found it very interesting the first time I read it the second time, third time, fourth time, and now still again. He talks about a cartoon of Jules Pfeiffer with an old man sitting in a rocking chair. And this is a story about the word that restricts us. I used to think I was poor. Then they told me I wasn't poor, I was needy. Then they told me it was self-defeating self-defe- to think of myself as needy. <clears throat> I was deprived. Then they told me deprived was a bad image. I was underprivileged. Then they told me underprivileged was overused. I was disadvantaged. I still don't have a dime but I've got a great vocabulary. <laughs> I think the story tells us a lot because it's the definitions that everyone seems to focus on. The answers, the way of defining life, the purpose in life, what I'm doing, what my direction is, how will I succeed, how will I will do this, We're looking for definitive, logical, rational answers to all of that. And God presents us with stories, guides us with love and the abundance of enlightenment through stories, puts aside all of that. And it frightens us. Who wants to be trying to figure out everything at every moment? Which one of us wants to not have some certainty in life and say, this is the way it should be? Certainly, I do it a lot. Sheila can attest to that. I get caught up in the smallness of things, the focus of words, the definitions of life. And yet, in stories... God is showing us that even in the birth of God's son, we find trouble. They didn't get into a hotel. It certainly wasn't an MGM staged drama. It was a stable. It was a place where people went, not because they were accepted or empowered by God, but rather left out. Jesus' birth is being left out. God's presence is not seen by many. Oh, the story of the shepherds, hearing the angels in the field, they come charging in on the scene. Because they're so shocked, number one, that angels would pay attention to shepherds who are the lowest class. They go to the stable. They find familiarity because here's a person of like ilk. God amongst us, with us, incredible. Then the wise men appear. Now this dresses up the place because they bring incense and myrrh and makes things a lot better, a lot more pleasant. But when they come, they've been directed by Herod to report back. So now this family, which is already out, is put in jeopardy. What does Joseph do? He has a a dream saying, get out of Dodge. Go to Egypt. Save this child's life. The infant of God, the child of God, is still threatened, not acknowledged. And it's in these stories that Jesus' beginnings are like those who are less fortunate, who are separated, who are alone. All of those things that we're called to remember in our Christian faith and community. That was the birth of Jesus. God present with us. And they had to go to Egypt to protect that child, to allow the child to even grow to be an adult. That's a story that's very confusing to me. Because I would much rather see it on the stage and on the screen. We've done adaptations, and we over-glorified the fact that God's presence into this world was hidden in many ways. Then as he grows and he goes to the temple and does all of these great things, I always find it interesting when he's cornered, when people want to know, well, are you the Messiah? What do you think the Messiah is? What is this all about? How do you proceed? Do you know the right way to get good with God? let me tell you a story. Jesus is the person of the story. It reminds us that it's not a simple answer. It's not a direct line of thought. It's something that you and I are asked to become involved in, engaged in. Now, I'm sure some of you go to movies. What I find interesting about movies for me is It's a story that all of a sudden touches things inside me that I haven't felt in a long time. And I feel connected. Whether I believe the story to be true or not, it doesn't matter. I'm engaged. I'm brought forward in the story. And that's exactly the purpose of Jesus telling stories. He was to engage our humanity. To look at things from turning it upside down. What a gift we have the second Sunday of Christmas. That the light is in the world. It's empowering us to live out a life that is fair, just, and obedient to God's call. Not to tell one another, you shouldn't be doing that, but rather in our unwillingness to go beyond and saying, why are you doing that help me to understand enable me to understand your perspective give me an opportunity to hear god in you when in fact i don't flat out i flat out disagree with it but jesus calls us to be that way and that's the hard part that's the hard part about it being a christian community That the ones who we feel may offend us are the exact ones we need to talk to and encounter and get a sense of their faith so that our faith might be enhanced too. God gave us stories to live by. God gave us the presence of his only son, Jesus Christ. To be stimulated and to be enlightened. To broaden our bases, to let down all the barriers we've established and step through them to hear and be humans with one another. To listen and to struggle with our own issues in a way that we can go beyond them and hear God's presence in our midst. I'm going to close with a story. The interesting part is, Tom pointed out early on, and I had the good fortune of going to some storytelling conferences, and the Hasidic Jew has the most powerful, spiritual stories of God's interaction in our world. They are great stories. Martin Buber has written a book talking about the Jewish stories of the Hasidim and they're powerful because they hit the point through a story they're not exact this is called the gift when the great rabbi Israel Bel Shemtof saw misfortune threatening the Jews it was his custom to go to a certain part of the forest to meditate there he would light a fire, say a a special prayer and the miracle would be accomplished and the misfortune averted. Later when his disciple, the celebrated Magid of Medritch had occasion for the same reason to intercede with heaven, he would go to the same place in the forest and say, master of the universe, listen, I do not know how to light the fire, but I am still able to say the prayer. And again, the miracle would be accomplished. Still later, Rabbi Mos Liev of Zasa, in order to save his people once more, would go into the forest and say, I do not know how to light the fire. I do not know the prayer but I know the place and this must be sufficient. Once more, God produced a miracle to save the Jews. Then it fell to Rabbi Israel of Rinz to overcome misfortune, sitting in his armchair, his head in his hands, he spoke to God. I am unable to light the fire. I do not know the prayer. I cannot even find the place in the forest. All I can do is tell you the story, and this must be sufficient. And it was sufficient. God made humans because God loves stories.